Bloody Elbow presents the Level Change Podcast, the combat sports variety show that brings you analysis, fight announcements, and insightful discussion of MMA's biggest headlines. Paid Bloody Elbow Podcast Substack subscribers will hear bonus content, if available, at the end of the broadcast. Be sure to subscribe at bloodyelbow.substack.com for our newsletter and at bloodyelbowpodcast.substack.com for our podcast network. Follow us on Twitter at Bloody Elbow, Facebook at facebook.com slash bloodyelbowblog, and as always, on bloodyelbow.com. Thanks for listening. Here are your hosts, Steffi Haynes and Victor Rodriguez. What's up, fight fans? Oops, sorry. No. Thought I was Dana White there for a second. Hi! It's Steffi and Victor, and we're here with episode 254 of the Level Change podcast. Vic, what's going on? Hi there. I, I'm I'm fantastic, I guess. Did uh, I scare uh, you? Did well, you think you were uh, talking uh, to Dana? I, I, I wondered. I mean, I know they're always... You know, you remember they were tapping that guy's phone, that that streaming pirate. They were tapping his phone. They were outside his house. They were checking his internet. All that. I thought he was done. I know they've been doing that with us. Hi, McMahon. Well, uh, yeah, yeah. You just, uh, yeah. I, I know that they've been doing it, but no, I, I, I wasn't sure that they were just going to barge in live. So yeah, that that's pretty cool. <laughs> so that's going to bring us into our first topic because we're going to start with some salacious headlines here, and the first one is that. Andrew Tate and Aiden Ross came out early today and said that via the Rumble platform, Dana White was going to appear on Andrew Tate's podcast. And of course, all of us were set aflutter because, I mean, even to me, that's a bridge too far. You know, I know Dana White and the UFC are leaning very, very, very right. But even that is a little bit too far. And someone replied to John Nash because John said that he did not think that Dana was actually going to go through with it. And he was right. But someone replied to him that maybe it was a barometer to see if they could tap into those seven and a half million followers that Tate has. And they wanted to see what the crowd response was going to be. And here it is. Everybody went apeshit over that. So Victor, I got to get your hot take on this because I know you got a mouthful over there. So I want to start off by reminding everyone of a little guy named Tucker Carlson. Tucker Carlson, uh, which you you may remember him. We like to uh, refer to him as Cucker Tarlson, but okay. Well, I, I had someone <laughs> refer to him as fucker, which, you know, like not the hardest reach, but it was just funny the intonation he used, and I can't really do it justice. But so so here's what happens. Tucker Carlson, back when he was on Fox News, had Andrew Tate on as an interview. And that's it's not hard to see why. Tate is a lightning rod. He is the laziest kind of easy controversy you can attract. And, you know, sure, he had already been accused of sex trafficking and stuff like that, but he hadn't been arrested yet. They hadn't amounted, they hadn't added a bunch of evidence and made a case that had been established against him in the manner that things are going now. 
Andrew Tate is currently under house arrest. He tweeted something the other day about how, like, would you rather travel the world and do this? No, I'd rather be at home with my friends and learning the way of the warrior. Some stupid bullshit like that. No wonder you would, Andrew. You know why? Because you can't leave your fucking house. Yeah? So that's what's happening. He's at home under house arrest because of the charges that he's facing. Well after... He himself has been caught on recordings talking to a woman admitting that he had, in fact, raped her. This is after they're building a case and have accrued even more evidence still of his malfeasance and all the things that he's done. Now, to do what Tucker Carlson did back then, that was brazen. To speak to him now, that's insane. Mm -hmm. That is absolutely insane. And I want to give a, a tip of the hat to John Nash and... Um, and David Bixenspan, who were both like, you know, listen, you just had this merger with WWE. You're, 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 you're still in a situation where you're running a massive, massive business. And this guy is in more hot. He's, it's not just hot water. The water isn't just hotter. It's deeper. Okay? It's drowning this man by a few leagues. He's not getting out of this fucking mess. He doesn't have the muscle. He doesn't have the people to rat out. He's done. This man... It's just a matter of time before he's doing like uh, like Cotton, for Hank Hill's dad from King of the Hill. He's going to be catching rats in the prison, uh, prison cell, poking their bellies with his finger to make them poop and collect those piles of food and call it jungle rice. That, that's going to be Andrew Tate's future in Romania. You understand? For anyone with a high profile to say, yes, I will go on and speak to him as friends. That's just absurd to me. I don't know where this came from. I saw the announcement. I, I had a bit of trepidation. I didn't know. It didn't seem to me like, this. is this really true? Is this really happening? And I had to lend credence to it because I see that it's Aiden Ross exactly. that's involved. And Aiden Ross, buddy-buddy with Dana White. Aiden Ross, a bag fumbler extraordinaire, a certified moron, another man who's known for just being an absolute piece of shit and who, by the way, I should mention, incidentally, admitted very casually and openly, to having masturbated to photos of his sister. Look. Oh, my God. These, what? This is the quality oh. and caliber of human being that we're dealing with. And the fact, even if this whole thing had been a hoax from the beginning, right? The fact that it was so believable, the fact that it was something that people took and ran with seriously. Earlier today, and they'll give you a little bit of a peek behind the curtain, right? We're recording on Tuesday. Earlier today, I jumped in the group chat and I said, you know, usually, usually, Lorenzo Fertitta would take a break from the weight room and come out and be the adult in the room and put just put the cap on this and say, no, we're not going to do this shit. Maybe Ari Emanuel's too busy trying to break the strike. Maybe he's too busy doing other shit. I don't know. Somebody had to stop this from happening. Like, there's just no way you even get to the point of announcing this. But I, I, I suppose we'll know. I suppose we'll find out more later. I mean, to speak to somebody who in very short time is going to, I promise you, be convicted of these crimes that he's been accused of. And there's no two ways about it. I mean, this is pretty damning. This is pretty incontrovertible shit so far. Wait until they dig up the shit they've got in court that we haven't seen. To have that guy and say, yes, I will speak to him. The fact that it became a credible and, and absolutely not just possible, but likely thing to have happened, that in and of itself, man, that's that's where you realize we're in a very bad place. And on top of that, you attract this level of heat barely six months after you were caught in HD slapping your wife. How much hot water can one guy get into? He didn't face any consequences for that. 
He probably thinks that he could skate on this if he, in fact, would intend to sit down and talk to Tate. But he has to know. He has to know, right, that this guy probably isn't the guy that you want to hit your fucking wagon to. You'd think. Yes, but that's 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 the key. You'd think. You'd think. You'd think. But this is the same guy who live live streamed himself driving without a seatbelt and bragged about it. <laughs> So, you know, I mean, yeah, just just championship level choices being made left and right in this 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 sphere in which we operate. Genius shit. Aces. I think Dana might believe that he's bulletproof because of the way he was able to skate away from slapping the shit out of his wife on camera twice. <laughs> it wasn't I... just one. He went back for seconds. And there's a moment in there where it looks like he like throws a kick at her or stomps mm. on her or something. It, he does something with his leg. But the point is he struck his wife on camera, a woman, and she's little on top of it, tiny. I'm, I'm going, I'm going to partially disagree with you on that. I don't think, I think he's believed himself to be bulletproof way, way sooner than that, way earlier than that. Yeah. But that was, I, I feel like, that was what put it over the edge, though, because he's, yeah, okay. he's gone off the rails since then. I mean, just completely off the rails. And the way that he's embraced influencer media over uh, regular sports media, journalism, it's at all. <laughs> I mean, that yeah. also speaks volumes because that's not real coverage. And he knows that he's not, no. he's not a complete idiot. I will give him some credit here. Would, he, yeah. He's very targeted with what he's doing. He's selective. He picks hot girls, young dudes that his, his sons recommend to him because from what I understand, his oldest kid is kind of tight with Aiden Ross. And that is how oh. Dana got in with Aiden Ross and that whole crew. But the thing, <sighs> the thing is, is that Dana's really, really, he's, he's hanging on that line. He's about ready to cross it. You know, the line in the sand is getting blurrier and blurrier. And that's why for a good portion of the day up until it became time and that time elapsed and he didn't show up on, on on the podcast but up until that point i was expecting him to go on i know i i saw what john said but i i was really sitting here counting down the minutes i had to know yeah and you have to wonder if maybe that was part of a, exactly. a particular, you know, maybe that was the gimmick. I mean, did 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 he agree to this and then back out, or like, um, yeah, or you know, look, somebody's probably going to ask him at the presser this weekend in London, and he's going to probably lie his ass off, or yeah. you know, I just don't, I, I, I yeah. It, I think this, this is maybe Ari finally said, "Hey, put the brakes on. This dude is uh, he's." under investigation for a lot of shit we don't want to be involved with and then you have ari over here and that's gonna that's gonna drive us into the next conversation you have ari over here basically trying to union bust now the way that the stories laid out that situation is that uh he and the head um uh what's his name 
I want to say it's Charles Lord. I know his last name is Lord. He's Carrie Fisher's ex-husband and Billy Lord's father. Anyways, he runs CAA. And he also did the same thing. So the heads of these big talent agencies, there's also a third one, Jeremy something. His talent agency, he also tried to intervene and talk the actors down from striking with the writers Mm -hmm. and it's different the way that ari manages handles what have you the talent branch of a a wme endeavor because the talent branch i believe still carries the wme moniker but the way that they manage it is because those are a lot of a-listers so they get to basically do what they want. They're coddled. They're babied. Um, Ari goes out of his way for them. That's there's there's no two ways about it. Despite the fact that the UFC is the main breadwinner for Endeavor, they still baby those A-listers because that's also a big chunk of change. And that's where Ari cut his teeth. But when you lo- look at the story, it says Insiders, anonymous sources at all, <laughs> say that um, that he was he was well received. But when I talked to John Nash, who is in the Hollywood industry, he says that it was well received only on the side of the studio execs that the actors <laughs> and actresses were not on the that quote well received side of the of the scenario here so it kind of makes me wonder you know how far he's willing to go and then another thing spun from this there was um a podcast that came out that talked about Bob Iger. Now, for those of you out there that don't know Bob Iger, he is the CEO of Disney. Now, what's important about Bob Iger to us is that Disney owns ABC and ESPN. Those are broadcast partners of the UFC. Now, he went to on this tech retreat in Sun Valley on Friday. And apparently... He was over there talking about piecing off bits and bobs of the Disney Corporation for sale. Among those talked about was ABC. They talked about branching off ABC and a few other ones, Freeform and stuff like that. But the most important part was that they also talked about, and I quote, finding a partner for ESPN. So a lot of things are happening concurrently right now. You've got the SAG-AFTRA strike that Ari Emanuel is a huge part of right now. And then you've got Bob Iger over here, also a huge part of that strike. He's a piece of shit. But anyways, he's over here talking about finding partners for ESPN and possibly selling off ABC. I mean, there's a lot of shit going on. So for Ari to possibly have been the voice of reason for for Dana White, boy, he had to really divert his attention, wouldn't you say? I I don't really think that that's the kind of move that's on the level where somebody like Dana White's paying too much attention, at least not for now. Like there's a lot of there's there's a series of moving pieces when it comes to things like that. That I mean, you know, sure, he'll he'll be like, yeah, you just keep me informed, you know. But 
I don't really think he's got that much deep thought to put into this just yet because, I mean, there's not much really he can do. Um, this is not powered so much by Dana White outside of some of the day-to-day stuff. It is really obviously being handled by, you know, bigger players than himself, right? More more higher-up people that are in the um, wings of Endeavor. Now, um Wait, I don't know what you're talking about. Back up. What what, what well, are you I'm, referring, I'm referring to? to? I'm sorry. I should clarify. I'm referring to like oh, any of these moving pieces regarding you know finding a partner for ESPN and you know what that would mean for the UFC and you know anything else moving forward as far as their distribution. Um, oh, I think that Ari keeps a very firm eye. on Oh, Ari, absolutely. Like yes. Yeah, that's who I was talking about. I wasn't. I, I, talking... I meant. I meant Dana. I wanted yeah, to start with Dana. I wasn't talking about Dana at all. What I was saying was that. Ari had to divert his attention from all of those big things to possibly come over here and sit Dana down and say, hey, you can't do this interview. The, right. the point I was making was that Ari's over here juggling massive things. And I feel like the only person that could have talked Dana down from that, if it were indeed a thing, would be Ari. That was the right, point but, that I was making. I think, and I that's, <laughs> but that's that's exactly what I'm getting to. Dana might not be paying attention, but his bosses, the yes. people above him, okay, are. Okay, now I understand what you're saying. And and these yeah. are the things where, like, you know, it, you, this is this is why you got to keep your eye mm. on the table at all times. You know, even if even if you got up to use the bathroom for a minute, you know, you gotta you gotta pay attention to these moves, man. You can't. You can't do shit the way you used to because you're going to have somebody yanking your chain. Back during the beginning of the pandemic when the UFC was scrambling, the organization that so famously has been telling us for 20 years that was running towards regulation in the dark times, you know, they were scrambling to find a place to hold renegade shows because they didn't want to miss out. They didn't want to leave money on the table. And what did they do? They tried to do that show in Tachi Palace until Gavin Newsom stepped in, called somebody at Disney, said, hey, you need to do something about your fucking boy. And they showed Dana White that he is, in fact, a boy. When it comes to the grand equation, you might be the top dog when it comes to fight stuff, but there's always going to be someone There's always going to be someone bigger than you in the room. And that's what we have here now. We have Ari Emanuel. You know, probably he, if, if he, if, again, if these things were going the way we think they did, man, I wouldn't want to be on the other end of that phone having this guy who's notorious for being absolutely shredding and verbally abusive to his underlings. So I, I am genuinely interested in finding out more how this dynamic goes and just how much um, how much this affects the internal dynamics and how uh, apprised of these things Ari Emanuel is. Because very, very, very clearly, uh, we've seen and, and had evidence of the UFC being one of the most reliable money-making uh, endeavors of endeavor, <laughs> right? We've we've seen that and we've known that for quite some time, especially as the pandemic began and and the way things have gone and and studio behaviors and all these other moving parts. But I, you know, that also means that you you still got that chain around your neck. You might not feel it there every once and again, but somebody might be tugging on it. You better not fuck it up. <laughs> so. You were talking about sanctioning organizations there for a moment, and I want to bring up another topic that can just springboard right off of this one, and that is 
the commissions and power slap. And the reason why I'm bringing that up is because (laughs) Zach Arnold has a really good piece on Bloody Elbow today. And it basically breaks down something that really worries me. And that is that the commissions may fall prey to power slap simply by the notion that the UFC will pull all of their fights out of that particular state if they don't sanction it. That is crazy. Let me read you a passage real quick. What happens if UFC directly or indirectly threatens to pull shows from a state if the state doesn't sanction power slap? How will state governors respond? Will state legislatures provide the political backing to support resistance? That's a mouthful right there. Mm-hmm. And that is something we realistically should look at. Because a lot of commissions are now waffling from what I understand. I've heard some rumblings and commissions are waffling. And I would not be surprised if one year from now, half or more than half of the ones that gave out statements to Trent Reinsmith when he went and inquired with all the commissions and so many of them came back saying, absolutely not, no way in hell, whatever. Now I'm starting to wonder if those guys are, are going to end up crumbling. Hmm. That's an interesting proposal or, or or thought experiment, I guess, right? It's an interesting possibility because it's not like this isn't something they would do, right? Trying to not necessarily strong arm, maybe that's too uh, drastic a term, but trying to finesse, let's say, this whole deal. Hey, UFC can bring a lot of money to your town, your city, your municipality. And by the way, let's do this too. Well, we don't really want it. Okay, no, I don't think you understand. Let's do this too. (laughs) I can see that happening. Listen, was it last week? All these events just blur into each other to me now at this point. Was it last week that they had a slap event at the weigh-in? Yes. Yeah. No, I take it back. It was the week before. I'm sorry. I think it was the week before. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So you see it happening, right? You see that there's this insidious thing. You are going to get this dog shit product whether you like it or not. Ain't nobody really watching this. See, you can you can rope a couple of dupes into this and say, well, we're getting a lot of impressions on TikTok or whatever. Okay. Okay, so what? I mean, I, I, I don't know how they're monetizing that. I don't know how they're using that. I mean, you can you know how much shit ends up on my TikTok feed that I have no interest in? Like, I just keep moving, but it still counts. You still get the view count, right? You let it loop and cycle, and that's going to count as more views. And they're juicing those numbers. And they're doing that with Rumble. And those numbers for Rumble, I have serious doubts and concerns that those are legitimate. I don't know. I just, I do not trust that platform. I've been seeing some shit. I've been hearing some rumors. I'm looking at this whole situation, and I'm thinking, hmm, this does not look right. This is starting to smell to me like Facebook's pivot to video. You know, oh yeah, like, uh, it, oh yeah. I, I'm, uh-huh. I, I'm starting to think there's something here that isn't. And what do you really have as a product exactly? You just have what quick highlights. I mean, that's all you're selling. That's there is that's no... really it, and that's why it does so well on TikTok and on Insta. But it's it's it did nothing on TBS. I mean, they got dropped. Well, I mean, I, I think personally, I, I still suspect that that had more to do 
with the slapping mm-hmm. that Dana White did and mm-hmm. them not being able to back out of certain deals. I, I think I'm I'm more inclined to believe that it had to do with that and maybe more of a wait and see approach to be like, well, let's see if this thing just blows over and, uh, you know, see if maybe that that might be the. Um... Yeah, but aided by continuously plummeting rankings, though. Right. The ratings did not yeah, help. Absolutely. The ratings yeah. just every single week plummeted. You know, they were right. in the basement by the time the last episode hit. So, yeah. I mean, so I, 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 I do think that there's something hinky going on. And so the possibility of them trying to and it's not even like a Trojan horse, right? It's more like, no, no, you're going to take this, too. Uh, or else that's that's really interesting, because, I mean, is there truly an advantage to this? How would they implement that? You're going to hold a separate slap event in Kansas City and then the next week in Bakersfield and then the next week in Charlotte. Like, how would they do that? Would they do it preceding a UFC event? Would they do it on a separate night? Good luck selling tickets. They're going to have it in between every right. UFC fight. Sandwiching them between fights. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. And you know what? Might as well because you put that shit on Rumble in the meantime, right? And then and then uh, with, with the half hour and 40 minute breaks that they take between fights on some of these fight night cards, yeah, I can see them working that out sure man so terrible so terrible all right so but to some more dana white business let's talk about francis and ganu for a moment because we got an early estimate (laughs) of what francis is possibly gonna make for fighting tyson fury and if we're to look at the lowest estimate if we're to think that because he said it this one purse will eclipse everything he ever made in the UFC. And by John Nash's calculations, that comes to right around 18 million. 18 million for a first-timer. That's a bag and a half. That's a bag not fumbled. It could be more. He also gets a cut of the pay-per-view. It could be... Also, though, it could be the eight-figure purse that they promised, which could be $10 million. But because of his cut of the gate and the pay-per-view, it would probably swell to over $20 million. We don't know the exact particulars, but all told, it should be more than $18 million. Jesus Christ, that's the minimum. That's the that's minimum. before he mm-hmm. even gets to the venue to mm-hmm. put on his fucking gloves. Exactly. Now, there's some things <laughs> that we should point out God. here because Dana, you know, from the start of the talks, was trying to throw a wrench into this. Mm-hmm. You know, uh-huh. immediately, How'd that go? immediately, he's trying to set up. First, he start. He he had a multi pronged approach too. First, he says. You know, that's a gimmick fight, and we don't do that here. (laughs) We just don't do that here. So then, a couple of days later, he starts targeting Tyson Fury. Very Mm. aggressive courtship. Starts uh, saying, hey, let me set you up with John Jones. Let me promote. We can make this the biggest selling event of all time. Let me, let me, let me. Please, 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 please. Come on. Are you scared? I mean, he tried every tactic. And finally, you know, he, he had to he had to put it all away when the announcement was made. But while the rumblings were happening, when Ariel Hawani put out the report, 
Hey, it's rumored that he's going to sign it today or tonight. We should have news by tomorrow, blah, blah, blah. Dana ramps it up harder and harder. He get, he pulls in, he ropes in John Jones. John Jones starts calling him out. Joe Rogan notoriously got trashed by Tyson Fury over this whole thing. When it gets announced... <laughs> Oh my goodness. When it gets announced, of course he talks shit about it. I don't want to talk shit about PFL, but they let, <laughs> they let their, their star attraction go out here and box first. What if he loses? You know, he's just going on and on and on. And Markel Martin, who has been a longtime representative and good friend of Francis Ngannou, came right out and said what a lot of us think, that it looked to them like the UFC was trying to derail any kind of fight that Francis could make with Tyson Fury. I agree with them 100% because the optics say it all. That is exactly what was happening. You know what? I'm I'm just now hearing you say this stuff, and, and I get this thought creeping in my mind. Francis Ngannou and Markel Martin are two of the luckiest people mm-hmm. in modern history. And I'm, I say this purely because of the fact they're so fortunate to have found each other. Mm-hmm. Yep. I I don't have any inclination to believe that Martin's the kind of guy to fuck Francis over. Mm-hmm. Francis is not the kind of guy to give the impression so far. He's been very honest in his dealings, and he does not give me the impression of someone who is fucking anybody else over. Right. I have to say that because that see look you have a man who left as the undisputed heavyweight king in the UFC and all that's happened since is nothing but absolute haterism instead of letting this man leave with a modicum of grace instead of wishing him well and saying he's going to do his thing and we'll do our thing over here and we're going to keep moving and blah 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 no no that's not the move no you know what we're going to do oh he wants to fight Tyson Fury hey hey Tyson we we can get you money too we paid Connor you remember Connor we made him money you can get money too like like Tyson Fury can't get that money on his own like Tyson Fury doesn't have people in his corner that can run the logistics that can do the market uh, research and say hey maybe a fight against Francis might be more lucrative especially since he's got a large following all throughout Africa Right. Uh, he's got a large following all throughout Europe and he's got a very strong contingent in the United States. Maybe just maybe instead of someone who I don't know, John Jones. Ah, yeah, sure. He's a heavyweight champion now in the UFC, but he's also got a history of being, let's say, somewhat unreliable. Right. The drug tests, the domestic violence, allegedly all this other shit. Do you want somebody who's going to possibly fumble the bag or do you want somebody who could potentially make you more money? And then on top of that, and this is the part that really that, that just like to make things even worse, to make things even less tactful. Right. You end up with Dana White talking about, yeah, we'll have Tyson Fury and we'll do it in the UFC. We'll do it under MMA rules. And then there's rumors that it's going to be maybe no kicks or maybe no takedowns, but it's still the four rounds gloves. That's not what Tyson Fury does. That's not what he wants to do. And most likely, he sees an opportunity for a winnable fight against a very tough guy who's got a lot of hype behind him, who's known for using his hands, 
and who is still arguably at his peak athletically, despite coming off the surgery with his knees, which we will see how that affects him. You see what I'm getting at here? It's so fucking sad. It's so childish and unnecessary to fuck with this guy and then say, no, no, we're going to try to sneak in and get that deal for us. And for John Jones, I mean, what does that even look like Hmm. for you to go out there, whether he was asked to by the UFC or not? I don't believe he was. I I don't think he needs to be asked by the UFC. I'm sure he saw the dollar signs, too. But would it be as much as what he would get if he were to have gone independently Mm, and made this happen? Probably not, because like we said with the Conor McGregor thing, daddy got to get a taste. You know you're not getting all that money, which Francis is, right? Francis is getting his cut clean. Ain't nobody taking off the top for him. No co-promotion whatsoever from PFL. Completely outside their purview. That big fucking steak, that's that's all Daddy Francis, baby. He's eating the whole shebang if he wants to. And he'll give you a little piece of that. He'll even give you a pat of butter if you fucking ask him nice. But that's not happening here. That's not happening for you, my guy. John is in nowhere right now. He's, I mean, think about it. Dude is kind of in no man's land right now because, like, there's no real exciting contender for him right now outside of Stipe, right? Absent what's going to potentially happen this weekend. And we'll see how that goes. Sergey, but he will never take that fight (laughs) because Sergey can win. I don't know. See, I think I so. wonder. I wonder if he'd be forced in a situation where, like, this is the only fight that's left, or if he'd rather retire. Well, I think he's going to retire after Stipe. Quite honestly, I think that they're giving yeah. him a big fat bundle, and he'll probably <laughs> retire. But he'll have that eight fight contract that he just signed in case he comes back, which we know he will because he does not manage his money well. Let's not forget that just a few years ago he had to settle a one point seven or one point nine million dollar tax debt they were um i believe the the storage facilities that had a lot of their stuff had begun selling off their stuff jesus fucking christ yeah so i mean if john runs off and retires after stipe i have no doubt we'll see him back in there within a year or so you know what, man? I, I owe 50 bucks to the IRS and I'm losing my fucking mind. I can't imagine <laughs> to owe a million dollars. How in the fuck does this even happen? I just, I, I it again, everybody looks so, you just how Bush League, everyone on the Zufa side of this looks, regardless of what you may think of them outside of any of these things, regardless of their qualities as people outside, just the way all this is being handled. Does this seem to you like a group of professionals? I mean, when was the last time we heard about one of their financial retreats where they have every, all the fighters come out on their dime and they give them finance classes and tell them how to manage their money and this and that we haven't heard anything like that in years you know there was an event in dc comics where superboy prime punched the wall of reality itself and altered (laughs) the timeline and all this other shit and i think the cyborg did that when she cracked angela magana right in the fucking mouth (laughs) i really think that that might have been what did it i'm like yeah i don't know about that chief or maybe they just don't want any more leslie smith moments you know where where you know she's out there kobe bryant saying like well you know as athletes you can band together and do this and she stood up and said yeah you play for the nba you have a union we don't i I think they're trying to avoid more uh things although although for the greater part the fighters remember raging cajun was at that same one and her and him sort of took over the whole event (laughs) 
Yeah. So, I mean, I'm, I'm guessing if I mean, the fighters most likely are already in line after she got her walking papers. And I know we're going a little far afield, but but this is this is still germane to what we're getting at here. Right. About how all these things get wrapped up and, and talked about and treated. And again, what, like, would you would you trust these guys to to split up a bar tab? <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I fucking wouldn't. Like, I'm definitely not planning a bank heist with either of these guys. No. Nope. But look at again. Contrast that to Markel Martin and Francis Ngannou and their team. Yeah. Right. However large that team or small that team may be, look at how they've handled this. Like professionals. Everybody else, the people who were saying the most about how he was pricing himself out and he was keeping himself on the shelf and he was going to be damaged goods if he waited out too long. Who were the two that were saying that shit the loudest? Chatri, who never had a realistic opportunity to fucking sign him, and David Feldman, who had recently mortgaged his house to and set up their last gangbusters event. Also, Francis came right out and said, We never spoke to Feldman. He texted us, and that was it. We never spoke to him. Well, so Feldman, hang on a minute, to his credit, was technically correct, which, as the Simpsons have taught us, is the best kind of correct. So I guess, no, no, but seriously, like, do, do you see, though, again, like, these are the people. These are the people who are, like, continuing to pile onto this. And meanwhile, look, does this look like a bag fumble to you? Even Daniel Cormier had to say, man, I wish I fumbled my bag like you just did. Even he had to come out, right, and say some shit like, yeah. Yeah, my man is he's he's flexing and he's right. And this is why people get the best part. The best part about this, right? Because people can't get too far ahead when it comes to negotiations and stuff like that. So we're establishing here, we're looking at the possibility, as Nash pointed out, and I believe in John Nash, and you should too, a minimum of eighteen million dollars. And that's not even including the pay-per-views. Is he getting anything as far as the con concessions and oh, no, extra that promotional considerations? Actually, wait, back up. That might actually include it. We don't know yet. We just know that if we are to tally up all of his purses and monies that he's gotten from bonuses, what have you, mm -hmm. it would come to about $18 million. Now, we right. do know that he has an eight-figure deal. We just don't know the exact number yet. So right. whether it's a full $18 million or maybe it's $10 million and his cut of the pay-per-view, the gate, and the concessions, we're not sure right. how that crumbles out. So just, just to err on the side of caution, y'all, we're not sure on that part yet. Right. No, we we don't we don't have a kind. Uh, that that is that is good that you point that. We, none of this is concrete. Like this is not. Yeah. <laughs> but but still, is this not? Is this still not impressive? Yeah. Is this still not in, in just a a mind boggling change in the tone and shift? And I love that this is all coming out the way it has because now after the announcement of Jones versus Stipe, which may or may not have been influenced by the uh, uh -huh. developments prior, it right? Does. It could be a form of them raining on the parade. Uh, now they don't have a counterpunch. Yeah. Hey, that's your that's your opening salvo? Hey, cool shit, man. Watch this. Bang. This is how much money he might make. <laughs> exactly. You, you, now, now, now you're not only outgunned, you're out of ammo. Fuck you gonna do now? Like, you can't. I, Dana's been pretty quiet since, man. Last I heard of him since that fight has been announced was the Aiden Ross and Andrew Tate shit. And I, I didn't hear anything coming out of his fucking mouth. So I want to know what's going to happen next. I want to know what his big announcement's going to be. And I really, I, I'm curious about that. I'm curious how he's going to spin it this weekend because he won't be able to outrun that question. Someone's going to have to ask him at the presser. Well, we might have an idea, actually. There, I don't know if you've noticed, but Paulo Costa has been trending pretty heavily on Twitter for the last oh two days. Ask me why. 
<laughs> the rumor is Steffi? that he's Why? not going to be fighting Aliskirov. Mm-hmm. That that fight might be off. The rumor was that Roman Delize would end up fighting Aliskirov, mm-hmm. and that Paulo is going to fight Shemaev. Right. That's the rumor. Now. I went to Paulo's page today and I saw something unusual. I saw him tweet to the UFC, are you going to fucking announce it, motherfuckers? Everybody's on my ass. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, well, I mean... <laughs> that would be a pretty significant announcement to bring Chimaev back, especially against Paulo Costa. Uh, it would be, um, obviously, at middleweight. And uh, well, I don't know about that. <laughs> I, right. But uh, that could be something, although I'm not I'm not holding my breath. But I wanted to take us out of our salacious headlines with something actually nice. So I frequently troll Twitter. You all know that I uh, go on Twitter and try and find stuff that's breaking right now. Now, this isn't exactly a breaking story, but it's a very astute observation that was made by a person named Haiti to Luke Thomas and Luke's responses to it were what caught my eye. So let me read to you what Haiti said to Luke Thomas. He said, I just noticed an interesting stat. UFC just dropped Chandler versus Dustin as a free fight on YouTube. It reached 1 million views within 16 hours. Does that speak to the star power of Dustin Poirier ahead of UFC 291? And Luke says, certainly in part, two wins over Conor McGregor are going to substantially boost your profile. And that's that's not even counting the rest of his very decorated resume. He then added to it. And this is what got me. Also, Look at Dustin Poirier's sponsors, Samsung, Celsius, etc. And he's in business with a small but premium brand in the condiment space, and he has his name on it. Dude has clearly leveled up, and there are a few ways that you can tell. And I could not agree more, but how how many fighters in there are sponsored by fucking Samsung? None. Only Dustin. Celsius Sports Drink. That's a huge name now. Also sponsor him and nobody else in the UFC. When the Koreans like you, game over. That's it. That's that's what I'm trying to see. Hyundai, reach out to me, man. Put some money in my pocket. It's Hyundai. It's Hyundai. Not Hyundai. It's Hyundai. Listen, listen, listen. I, I will finally stop praising Kim Jong-un and everything he stands for. If you just put a little bit of something in my pocket, help me set up the college fund for my boy. That's all I'm asking for. I ain't asking for too fucking much. Come on now. Y'all make great washing machines and shit. Please. Pretty please. Sugar on top. Actually, I should mention Lies of P, an upcoming game. Korean studio. It's looking really fucking good. What's you should check called? out the video for it. It's called Lies of P. It's so it's so fucking good. The demo is amazing. Um, we can talk about that later off here. But yeah, uh, that is interesting. And, you know, I, I actually reply to that. And, and I know Luke saw the comment where I said it also helps that, you know, that fight was a certified banger. And, you know, Dustin at that point had that reputation for, you know, really um, elevating his game and breaking through. But as Luke mentioned, right, the wins. Uh, look, guys at B. Conor McGregor don't always really get that massive rub outside of Nate Diaz. Um, 
of course, we haven't really seen Connor lose much. I, I don't know how much uh, we can say to that just yet. But, I mean, Khabib was already kind of on his way to being a megastar, and that was probably going to happen regardless. Um, there is something interesting about that because my concern now is, like, or how much money has been left on the table with Dustin not being – you know, announce doing stuff, you know, the UFC not really using him in promotional material as widely as they perhaps could have. Um, I, I, I wonder about that, but I think it is interesting that he's gotten the kind of just under the radar. He's, he's gotten these big name sponsors and made these moves. And if, when you're looking at somebody who's one of the true good guys in the game, somebody who does so much for charity, somebody who does so much for communities and who tries to at least at the very least, just spread the word of not being a dick. You got to root for the guy because, you know, there there are people like that in the game. There are more people like that than it seems. But, man, they don't seem to make that kind of noise. Their name ain't ringing out like that. And so it's great to see that happen with Dustin. Indeed. I love it. I love it. I love it. I love everything good for Dustin. But seriously, Korean people, get together. Have a council. Talk to me. Come on. <laughs> All right. So now it is time for us to swing right into UFC Fight Night Aspinall versus Tibera or UFC London. And listen, the card's not that fucking bad. All right. Um, I, I, I kind of dig. There's a lot of bangers on here. Not a lot of rank stuff. And uh, honestly, I forgot to go back and look. So I'll have to do that on my Twitter. But just eyeballing the card. I can see a lot of fights on here. I want to watch Mark Diakizi versus Joel Alvarez. That's going to be a banger. Oh, my God. That's going to be so fun. Joel, he's listen. That kid is so good. I and know. we've seen Mark. A lot more people have seen Mark because he's been in the UFC for a little bit. I think people are sleeping on Joel, mm. not in this particular fight necessarily, but just in general. Oh, I'm thinking him of... in this fight? Absolutely. I think he's got it. No, I, I just think that the average fan or the people who aren't like, I, I wonder how many people realize what a fucking special talent this dude is and why this fight is such a such an attraction and could really steal the show, you know? Yeah. And yeah. then we also have a ladies fight in here, Panny Kianzad and Ketlin Vieira. That's a good fight there. That's interesting. That, that, that could be huge. I want to see how that pans out. Yeah, I'm I'm. I don't know. I mean, Panny's kind of hit or miss in some of her later mm. latest performances, but I'm always down to see her because, I mean, she can be fun with her grappling. I just, I don't know. I, I, I want to see, this is a good test to see where they are now, where they stand and how much they got left. You know what I mean? Maybe that's just me. I don't know. Well, in Panny's last six fights, she's only lost one of them, and that was to Raquel Pennington. Yeah, only but she one. hasn't really... I don't know. It's, I, I kind of thought that she'd have her game a little more together. Yeah, but she's doing you know? all right. She's doing okay. I'm not taking that away from her. She's doing all right. I like Penny. I can't help myself. Yeah, I, I like her too. Yeah. I'm taking Ketlin, but I, I, I still like Penny. And you know what Ketlin's last um, loss was? Same person, Raquel Pennington. Rocky's a brick, man. But it's, it's, when yeah. you look at Penny, I mean, when you look at Penny's... Um, strength of schedule and then you look at uh ketlin's strength of schedule there there's a vast difference you know yeah. ketlin's got wins over holly holm and misha tate Penny don't have wins like that nah. she's also got wins over you know sarah sarah mcmahon katzingano you know i mean 
she's, she's got good wins in there. So yeah. anyways, uh, let's get back to who we're actually going to pick though, <laughs> because it's not that it's not Penny and Ketlin. All right. So, uh, let me get over here to the fight center and get back to where I was. And that is UFC London, UFC fight night, Aspinall versus Tybura. Okay, we're going to start with Lerone. No, I'm sorry. Uh, Jai Herbert versus Farah Zayam. Jesus Christ. I'm taking Jai Herbert. I mean, being bang, boom. He's such an incredible athlete. So I love me some Jai Herbert. Been a fan of his since uh, since I saw him doing that work in Cage Warriors. Um I I don't shit. I mean that that this this could go either way. I, I feel, know. but I, I'm I'm going with Jai. Okay, good. Uh, Mookie is also going with Jai Herbert. All right. Next up, we have Andre Muniz taking on Paul Craig at 185. That's important to note. Mm-hmm. Paul Craig is a big motherfucker that's been fighting at <laughs> 205 for a long time. Indeed. And he's taken on a guy that's a goddamn submission specialist too so you got two of them in there of course they're gonna st- try and stand and bang this could be a really fun fight actually uh, i'm gonna take muniz yeah i'm going with andre too craig um fun uh lovable dude um because he is thrilling with the way that he can snatch uh, those last minute wins or those you know just when all hope is lost but you know you can't really rely on that you know what i'm saying like when it comes to doing picks and shit like i do i really want to trust that every time against a much more like composed dude who's also got killer grappling I don't know that I do. So yeah. especially the drop to middleweight, Thank I don't know how you. that's going to affect Craig. I ain't seen him in middleweight before, and I I do not believe that that is going to be um, – I, I hope he's comfortable. I hope he makes the, the, the whole thing well and that he at least tried a test cut prior. But come on, man. Usually guys coming down like that after being this long in the tooth, shit. Nah, I, I, I'm going to go with Munoz. Yeah. And the other thing, too, is that there's this is one of those scenarios where there's really no place for him because he's not good enough to get up there in the top seven, top eight. And I think he's too big for 185 because Paul Craig is a big boy. He's a big fucking dude. Yeah. And I don't like that cut. But anyways, we're taking Andre Muniz. Mookie is also taking Andre Muniz. Next up, this is a great fight. Andre Feely taking on Nathaniel Wood. Oh, God. We've got Andre Feely, a pretty complete fighter. Nathaniel Wood is too, but his grappling is good, 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 good. I'm taking Nathaniel Wood, but I can't remember if this is Andre Feely's on week or off week because you know he's uh, if he wins one, he's guaranteed to lose. The oh next God, that's right. Let me look so that I can tell you and give you an informed oh, choice. Yeah, yeah. He okay, won his last well... one, but he was on a three fight, uh, two fight losing streak before that. But he he won his last one against Bill Aljeo. And it oh, was Jesus. a split. He couldn't even get a, a unanimous out of it. So I'm definitely taking Nathaniel Wood here. I guess I got to, but I know it's going to be such a dogfight. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I, Mooney, I, I, I mean, cannot I mean, understate how good this is going to be. I, I was going to call him Muniz because, uh, you know, Andre, Andre. <laughs> yeah. But Feely, he doesn't make things easy. I mean, he's going to he's gonna be in there fighting tooth and nail until somebody takes him out or until he takes somebody out or until 
it gets to a decision. I don't really care which way it goes because he's always in pretty good scraps. Yes. Co-main event time. Molly McCann is taking on Julia or Yulia Stoliarenko. And obviously they set this up for Molly McCann to get the win. It'd be kind of silly for me to take Yulia because she's, she's not that great. Yeah. I'm, I'm constantly baffled by Stoliarenko because she's got so much striking experience and she's been like, uh, you she know, pretty a much fleet dud. I mean, she's got one win. In it's the weird, man. It's weird. It's weird because you look at someone who's been training practically since she was in diapers, right? Doing karate and shit. And it's like, I don't know. I, I, I'm just so like baffled by this. I, I expected her to do better. And here she is now. Obviously, look, I, I do think that if McCann gets careless mm-hmm. and, you know, just starts swinging bombs without really paying any mind to defense or like, you know, just gets so excited. She's just throwing hooks and not really hitting anything with it. And then she gets countered. I, I, I can see something dumb like that happen. But just to be like on the safe side, fine, I'll pick McCann. But. I'm kind of thinking there might be – I have a really big hunch that there might be some weird shit happening here and, and Yulia might end up getting the upset. Well, we'll have to see. I, I don't see it that way. I think that – I'm not very, picking her. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. I'm just, oh, I just want to point that out though. It's just, not as crazy as it seems. Oh, for sure. I just think that they very carefully curated this particular matchup to benefit Molly because they love yeah. Molly. And and it's in London, which also explains why this card isn't complete ass. It's not an Apex card. Right, right. And you know what? I don't care what anybody says. I'm enamored of Molly's vivacious personality. I don't care if you don't like her, if you think that she's getting these gimme fights, which she is. I still like the way she presents. She's fun and vivacious. She's like a glass of freshly poured champagne. If you put some bubblegum balls in it and all sorts of sweets and candy and shit like that. I don't know. I yeah, just... she seems like a good egg and yeah. she's got a great attitude. But I just, the only knock, I mean, it's not even a knock. My my only thing is I don't like the fact that uh, uh, Mr. Barstool and, and his buddies are so gung-ho about her. Because, I mean, please, yeah. she deserves better fans. <laughs> Seriously, like what the fuck are we doing? It's like you stole the thought right out of my head. That was great. He's gonna he's gonna be out there with that stupid fucking monocle again. I I just oh god. Have you seen his girlfriend? No, I have not. Does he stand does he stand on his tippy toes to pose with her too for photos? Robbie hit it out. He way out kicked his coverage. His girl is a dime and a half. Oh, I'm not talking about Robbie. I'm talking about uh uh, Portnoy. Portnoy, yeah. who cares about him? Well, um, I mean, he's the one who's out there making all this noise. You'll get plenty of uh, front and center uh, exposure this week. Watch. Uh, I thought you were talking about Robbie because Robbie frequently has her and Patty on as well. I mean, mm. that is the preferred outlet right now is Barstool for the UFC. Mm-hmm. But they also, for those of you out there that don't know, they actively sponsor Patty and Molly. Right. And, and a media outlet that provides news, sporting news, is sponsoring two fighters. Let that sink in for a moment. Are they really news? Are we really? <laughs> <laughs> I know, but you get what you get the point I'm trying to make. I know. All right. So we're all going with Molly McCann because Mookie is also going with her. Now we get to the main event. Marcin Tybura taking on Tom Aspinall coming off that injury. 
Listen, this fight could go either way. Marcin Tybura has surprised me several times. However, I don't think he's going to surprise me this time. I think Tom Aspinall has very, very heavy hands. And I think one of those is going to get through. And I think also this was a very carefully curated matchup. So I'm taking Aspinall. Mookie's taking Aspinall. Now we need to hear from Victor. Yeah, I, I think this is more so than than curated. It's just like it's it's kismet, you know. The, we, every, all parties are very fortunate that these guys are divisionally in the spots that they are for this to manifest it. And I kind of feel like uh, Tabora is in the position that he's in for good reason. He's earned that spot. He's done well. He's sort of. Um, he hasn't he's, he's, had a loss in a lot of fights. He has one loss in, let's see, three, four, five, six. One loss in eight fights. And that loss was only to Alexander Volkov, who was like number four. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's a great win. Volkov still got it. So I, I will uh, always be forever grateful for him, to him for sparking out Greg Hardy. Well, I mean, that's, you know, he had to hit his ceiling sometime, and this time the ceiling hit back. Uh, yeah, I, I kind of feel like the thing with Aspinall is he's got the great um, judo takedowns, he's got excellent submission chops, and he can also crack. That is not something that's super common in the heavyweight division. He's just got it more put together than still gone. He can be bullied, though. As we've seen, you know, like, I think it was the, the Derek Lewis fight, right? Mm -hmm. I just, I don't know. I don't really, I, 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 I'm I going to have to go with Aspinall here. Tabora could ruin it for him. Um, I, I just don't really think it's going to be a particularly um, pretty fight. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? I think this is going to probably turn into a slog, and I don't know. If that's really where things, if that's what the UFC would be happy with. But I mean, listen, it's not really about that, right? If you can get the win, you get the win. Still, it's just, this is clearly what they would, were hoping for. Hmm. Um, I need to look at something real quick. I might change my, my pick. <laughs> I need to find out one particular thing. And that is if Curtis Blades managed to get any shots in before the knee injury because it happened in 15 seconds but i seem to recall one of curtis blade's shots really nailing him so let mm. me look at ufc stats real quick while you entertain yourself and i'm going to tell you if curtis blade's got a shot in and if he did i am picking someone else <laughs> i'm picking tybira so let me look at this real quick uh, let's see here. Stats UFC. Now, what what was that? That was UFC Fight Night. It just says UFC Fight Night. Jesus Christ. All right. Tom Aspinall. I know all of you out there are like, God, can this bitch just move faster? Do this quicker. I'm sorry. I can't. Got to do this how I got to do it. All right. We're getting there. We're getting there. All right. We are there on Tom Aspinall. All right. Versus Curtis Blades. And Curtis Blades did land. Um, he landed four out of ten significant strikes. I knew I remembered it. Yeah. One of those punches really stunned Tom Aspinall. Now, I know Curtis Blades has a hammer. We all know that. 
But still, Marcin Tybura has a hammer too. And you know what? I'm going to, just to make it spicy here, because we have picked all the same, and we did the, the exactly the same last week. So I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to pick Marcin Tybura. Mm, look yeah. at you with the reckless underdog pick. Good I shit. know. I am channeling my inner victor. Yes. So. Wait, no, don't do that shit. Wait. Oh, <laughs> All right. So to to wrap it up, I'm taking Tibera and Mookie and Victor are taking Tom Aspinall. Okay. That's going to wrap up the main portion of the show. For all of our Substack subscribers, please stick around. We are going to have some bonus content for you. We're going to talk a little bit about this past weekend's UFC Fight Night, Holly Holm getting that loss, all sorts of things. So uh, stick around. We'll be right back. To access the bonus content of this show, you must be a paid subscriber. To do that, Go to bloodyelbowpodcast.substack.com and subscribe today. Thank you for tuning in to this Bloody Elbow Podcast production. Subscribe at bloodyelbowpodcast.substack.com. Give us your email and receive notifications when your favorite shows drop straight into your inbox. We're also found on a wide variety of podcast outlets. Just search for Bloody Elbow Podcasts and you will get new shows throughout the week, including the MMA Bunker and MMA Tete-a-Tete shows with Kid Nate, the Level Change Podcast, the Hey Not the Face Podcast, the MMA Vivisection Main Card and Prelims UFC Preview Shows, the Sixth Round Post Fight Show, the Show Money Podcast, and the MMA Depressed Us.